this week on Wrestling Hindsight. We go over what went down at Stomping Ground, we tell you who debuted on Raw and SmackDown this week, and we go over who's in creative control of 5 hours of WWE programming every week. All that and more on Wrestling Hindsight. Wrestling Hindsight Podcast. Wrestling Hindsight Podcast. Wrestling Hindsight. Wrestling Hindsight Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling Hindsight. It's episode 52, and that's right. We've made it one whole year of this podcast without getting canceled. It's probably because nobody's listening, but, you know, still we haven't been canceled. Uh, oh. iTunes hasn't told us to stop recording. But as, <laughs> as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my dear old dad, Big Steve in Jax. Say hi, Dad. Hi, everybody. This is Big Steve in Jax. And we have a big show today. Okay, uh, we review the highlights, lowlights, and uh, disasters of of uh, Stomping Grounds and the uh, subsequent uh, Raw and SmackDown shows, and also some interesting changes coming up in WWE. So, without any further ado, take it away, Jace. And speaking of interesting changes, something we're going to talk about uh, in a little more long form uh, at the end of the podcast is uh, late Thursday. Um, we didn't record Thursday. We pushed it to Friday because of some uh, work-related issues on our end. So we're coming to you a day late. But WDB announced that Paul Heyman is going to be taking over as creative executive director of Monday Night Raw. And Eric Bischoff is going to be taking over as creative executive director of SmackDown Live, whether it's on Friday or you're, you're breaking uh, up there, son. Now, I don't want to get your thoughts yet, Dad. Uh-huh. We'll save your thoughts for later because we're going to get through uh, a lot of the dredge that was wrestling this week. And uh, then we'll spend a little more time on, on Bischoff and Heyman. But first, let's go ahead and talk about Stomping Grounds. And Stomping Grounds was this week's pay-per-view. Um, it... it, it not only did Stopping Ground struggle for ratings, but Raw and SmackDown also struggled for uh, attendance, I should say, instead of ratings. Uh, it's reported that Stopping Grounds only had uh, 6,000 people in attendance, the Raw after 3,500, and the SmackDown after that, 2,500. So you're looking at about 12,000 people for all three shows combined. Uh, I think WWE did a great job of framing this, so you couldn't tell if you were watching the show on TV. But what I would say is um, when you see, you know, in this age of the Internet, you see people posting uh, photos that were there live where uh, the whole hard camera side is uh, curtained off by a big black curtain uh, hiding all the empty seats and uh, the upper levels aren't filled. So uh, what are your thoughts on the attendance struggles? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's a sign of the times, okay, because WWE has not put on a good product for quite a while. They had a, a couple They had a couple of good shows a couple, uh, last week uh, with their Raw and their SmackDown uh, lead-up shows, their go-home shows, but then they didn't deliver, okay? The, uh, the, the, uh, lead, the uh, lead-in shows there... Uh, they uh, they had me actually uh, looking forward to uh, Stomping Grounds. Now Stomping Grounds wasn't a bad show, 
except for the last match. And you didn't like the cage match either. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, just to, like, you said a sign of the times. I think that's slightly misleading, because when I hear something sign of the times, I think of, uh, you know, people no longer you read newspapers because of the internet. That's a sign of the times, where it's no longer uh, the thing to do, that wrestling is no longer a cool thing. And I disagree with that on some level, because... You know, AEW is selling out every show they put on very quickly. There's a lot of buzz about it. The wrestling community online is bigger than it's ever been. Uh, our friends at What Culture Wrestling talked about uh, local promotions they've put on where they've had drawn 2,500 people, which is big for them, Is but they're not a billion-dollar company either. So it's a sign of the times for WWE where it, it just shows you how low they are. At this moment, maybe the lowest in the company's history, at least in the last 30 years. Um, but a sign of the times for the wrestling industry as a whole, I, uh, I'm going to disagree slightly with that. Well, I, I wasn't referring to the uh, wrestling industry as a whole. It was a sign of the times strictly for WWE, okay, because they, they, they have a blatant disregard to the uh, for the fans a lot, a lot of times. They'll seemingly give in, like... Uh, last week and uh in december when they said uh we're gonna give you what you want and uh yeah and then they never do it yeah uh speaking of not getting what we wanted let's go ahead and move on to talking about smackdown or stomping grounds uh smackdown didn't give us what we wanted either but we'll get to that in a a little bit uh (laughs) stomping grounds i figured uh instead of going over the whole card here let's just go over the good the bad and the ugly um my good for stomping grounds is I thought the um, the uh, cruiserweight match on the pre-show was pretty good. Um, the women's match between Bailey and Alexa Bliss was pretty good. It told a, a good story uh, where Alexa loses because of outside interference that you know distracted her. But uh, it, you know you don't mind seeing that match again. It wasn't they didn't burn the the, the match up so. I won't mind. I don't mind seeing the rematch at Extreme Rules. Um, the cage match, where I thought the cage match was a little boring. The end, where Kofi um, uh, dives over top of Ziggler to get out the door first, was a pretty good ending. I thought it would have been better if he got this, if he uh, ate the super kick and then fell through the door. Because if he did that, then you kind of feel that Ziggler got a little screwed, and I wouldn't mind seeing another rematch between the two. So, you know, that little bit, you know, Kofi winning clean was uh, pretty good. I, I thought Owens and Zayn versus the New Day was uh, a pretty good match as well. Uh, Lacey Evans is just a little... Uh, well, we'll get to Lacey Evans when we get to the, the bad and the ugly, I guess. Um, oh, she's, she's certainly not ugly. Well, did you have any uh, good that you want to mention about the pay-per-view? Yes. Uh, the... Uh the the women's uh, title match there was a very good match. Okay, Alexa Bliss is is a very gifted worker, and so is Bailey. You know they did tell a good story, and uh, you know I liked. Uh, you know they were one of the better matches of the night. Also the uh, the uh, U.S. Championship match. Also Mojo and Ricochet was really yes. good as well. Yes, they told. Uh, yeah, I was a little surprised to see Ricochet win that one just because uh, they keep taking the, the belt off Samoa Joe very quickly. 
Yeah, well, he's going for the world, for a world title now, but that's another story we'll get to. But you know, I you know every time I see Ricochet in a match, it always amazes me. You know how 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 a human being can do some of those moves he does, and of course Samoa Joe, you know he's he's just uh, you know what what can you say about Samoa Joe? He's uh, you know he's a great worker. Uh, he makes he makes you believe that he's about to kill somebody. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, another good, and this is a surprise for me because I'm not always a fan of his matches, was I like the Roman Reigns-Drew uh, McIntyre match. Um, I, thought, I thought that was a good one as well. And then the the tag team title match for SmackDown, uh, Daniel Bryant versus Aaron uh, and Eric Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. I thought that was a really good match as well. Yes, it was. Um, they both told good stories. Yeah, but, you know, the fact that you had the, the heels getting cheered because Daniel Bryan's at home there, um, they, they did a good job of fighting through it, and it still played well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, what could have been a pretty good card got ruined by that last match. Okay. Well, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about the bad uh, and the ugly. We can talk about them at the same time. Um, I, I thought the Lacey and Becky match that they had, um, the Raw match, uh, it wasn't anything special. It was just kind of boring. Uh, you could hear Becky calling out the match a lot, and which was really weird because the crowd was pretty good at the show. For only mm-hmm. being 6,000 people, I thought the crowd was into it, and they, they added to the show. Uh, sometimes you get crowds like that one in uh, uh, Louisiana Lafayette uh, a couple months ago that just kind of take away from the show. They did a really good job, but hearing Becky uh, yell out back elbow right before she sends an Irish whip to uh, Lacey to let her know what to do next was a little, you know, unprofessional. I was a little John Cena-like with, with that. Um, and, and it took away from the match, and that was a little bit of a sloppiness in that match as well. Well, some of that also tells you just how green Lacey really is. Yeah, I mean, I think the roster is deep enough for Raw and SmackDown where they don't have to put wrestlers in these situations. Yeah. Lacey, as well as she may have developed quickly or anything, uh, you know, she clearly wasn't ready for this spotlight, you know, a women's title match. Uh, even if her, her mic work is pretty good, have her manage somebody for at first and then step in the ring after a couple more months or something. Uh, anyway, uh, I also, the, the cage match just seemed boring to me. It, it seemed a little lackluster. Uh, now, the, I lo- I the end of the cage, cage match, match was pretty good. I, I thought the end was pretty good, but overall, it, I think part of it is we just saw these guys wrestle less than two weeks ago at Super mm-hmm. Showdown, and, you know, with a lot of these matches, there were, there were rematches, right? That is true. That is very true. And, uh, you know, the thing is that, you know, you don't, if, uh, if you have a clean victor and you had that there, uh, it doesn't really make any sense to, uh, to, have, to have a rematch in, in a couple weeks later. And, you know, the thing is that, you know, uh, yeah, they could say that, you know, they could say they did it because of the outside interference, but that was caused by Ziegler. Okay. And, uh, you know, so it didn't really build to. It really didn't do very well for story to, for storyline. Exactly. None of these uh, rematches make a whole lot of sense because uh, they're they're rematches from matches that were won clean, and so it kind of ended the feud there. Especially when the good guy wins clean. 
Uh, you know, maybe you could argue McIntyre and Roman Reigns could continue, but Reigns won that clean, and there was no repercussions afterwards. Uh, Lacey lost clean. Um, you, you know, she shouldn't get an automatic title rematch. Uh, you know, Vince told us there wasn't going to be any more automatic rematches uh, for championship matches. And not only have they doubled down on giving automatic rematches, but you don't even have to be the champion who loses to get the rematch. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, and there's no excitement there. Like, like I said, if you had Kofi uh, uh, get super kicked and knocked out outside of the ring in that cage match, much better story, much better unique ending, and then at the same time, you uh, you wouldn't mind seeing Dolph Ziggler get another match because when he comes out on Tuesday night bitching about it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah Tuesday sense. night didn't make much sense for him to bitch about it. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the ugly. Of this. Okay. Do you want you want to start with that? Sure. Uh, the uh, the the uh, Seth Rollins uh, Baron Corbin match was basically a dumpster fire okay now it, it had the it had a good concept there with Lacey coming down as a special guest referee but it wasn't executed well okay and you could tell it wasn't executed well you knew what was going to happen okay no no doubt about it, it isn't so much that you knew what was going to happen but the way they led up to that you knew that was you, you knew how that was going to end and you know Lacey needs some practices be, being a, being an actor there because she wasn't convincing Okay, uh, Seth Seth Rollins did did the best did the best performance he could. Okay, and Baron Corbin is always a good performer. Okay, both <coughs> both of them are, but the way the match was written, creative must do a better job with that. Yeah, I I agree with absolutely everything you said. Uh, I like the when when he announced Lacey Evans coming down. One, when a wrestler is announcing another wrestler in a situation like that. You don't say their their staged uh, commentator nickname. Uh, there's no reason to say the sassy Southern Belle Lacey Evans. Mm-hmm. You, the the wrestler says Lacey Evans. Yeah. And then the commentator, oh, it's the sassy Southern Belle Lacey Evans, gonna be the guest referee. I thought that was a great idea. There, oh, the execution it was, but it was, was absolutely awful. Uh, there, there's no reason for her to count to nine and then make it a no uh, a count out match. Or to wait for uh, uh, Corbin to beat the hell out of him with a chair to make an ODQ match. Uh, just pretend like you have something in your eye or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also I, you know, I've never seen where the referee can do that. Usually, that usually something like that would come down from the office. Yeah, so it, you know, it logically doesn't make sense. You know, where does she get the authority to do that? Yeah, and then you know, she could also look the other way when um, Corbin's breaking the rules. Becky Lynch can still come down and beat the holy hell out of Lacey Evans, and if Lacey wants to disqualify Seth Rollins, she can. Seth Rollins still keeps the belt, and you yeah. know what? The mixed tag match they set up on uh, on Extreme Rules makes sense, because right now you had two guys, uh, Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin, lose matches clean, or, yes. or where they tried to cheat and failed, uh-huh. and then somehow they're getting this mixed tag match where they get another title shot. And this is the third shot for both of them. And it's not like they won one or they got screwed out of anything. No, no. It makes absolutely no sense. That's not how you uh, blow off a feud. Okay, uh, this once again is some kind of uh, 
you know, it's uh, not a good consistent booking. Yeah, so uh, overall, I think that until the last two matches, and I think the biggest issue of the last two matches was the, the fact that there are rematches from two weeks ago. Yeah, because there's I, no, I would agree with you on that. There's no hype in that. But outside of that, I thought the card was pretty entertaining and good. Um, but those last two matches ruined the whole thing. Because like you yeah. said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Right, exactly. And the last, the, the, your 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 best matches should be the main event and the uh, and the se- and the semi semi roundup or semi final main event. Okay, the one that leads to the main event. Those should be your best matches. Okay, because that lets the crowd go home happy. Okay, and it lets the uh, TV audience go home happy, satisfied. To, well, to be honest with you, what I think they need to start doing is. Um, these gimmick matches with the uh, the steel cage and um, a special guest referee that are heavily scripted, have those in the middle of the card. And then as your main event, your last matches, have the wrestlers work it like uh, work it out in the ring. Because that's usually when you get the best matches, where they call it in the ring, mm-hmm. and then they just go toe-to-toe. You could have had that Daniel Bryan tag team match go on last it would have felt like a main event especially with how the crowd reacted and it was a, a good match that would have left everybody wow man this was really good pay-per-view yeah and you even, know, the if, thing even is, if all the matches went exactly the way they did just the order of them could have changed everything yeah. oh yeah and you know don't forget that the uh, you know in that in that tag team match uh, you had four very talented performers you know heavy machinery uh, you know some of the things they do is pretty amazing for their size uh, okay daniel bryan speaks to speaks for himself and uh, you know uh all, all these wrestlers speak for themselves. None of them have a manager. Right. Well, you know what I mean. The talent anyway, speaks for itself. Let's go ahead and, and move on to some of um, some of the segments that we separated out from Raw and SmackDown this week as uh, things that we like to talk about uh, outside of the regular shows because they're they're better than the the overall product. Uh, the first one is the twenty four seven title. Uh, this continues to be uh, a great segment. Um, on Raw, you had Miz uh, TV featuring R-Truth and Carmella. Uh, during this, the Miz TV uh, or the 24-7 rules were suspended until after the interview. Uh, Maverick comes out and asks Truth for a rematch after Truth ruined his wedding to win back the title. And uh, if you don't follow Twitter, which you can follow Big Steven Jacks on Twitter at Big Steven Jacks 1, or you can follow myself on Twitter at WrestlingHS316, uh, some of the things with Drake Maverick and R Truth and EC3 on Twitter involving this title are are great. Uh, Drake Maverick's uh, wife wanting a divorce because her wedding was ruined. Him him continuing to say that they haven't consummated the marriage. EC3 chiming in uh, with quotations in his tweet saying, uh, "I just did hot yoga with your wife for the last two hours. I think she needs to talk to you." <laughs> So just this stuff is brilliant. Anyway, back to Raw. Um, I actually thought this was a pretty good concept. I wish they actually let him have a match, but instead this was a 30-second squash match. They should have given him five minutes and let him fight, wrestle. As soon as that was over, they got chased around by a a bunch of other um, uh, individuals trying to win it. Later in the night... uh, A bunch of other underused talent. 
they're actually being used better than most of the talent on, you know, most of the other yeah. talent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, later in the night, you have a, a match scheduled between Mojo Rawley and Heath Slater. Uh, this is interrupted by the 24-7 crew running through. Heath Slater takes advantage of this and gets the pin on R-Truth to win the title. Truth ends up getting the pin back to beat to win the title back. Uh, Alexander then hits his uh, uh, backbreaker move on Truth to win the title. Uh, EC3 pulls him out of the win- ring to win the title. And as EC3 is walking away, Carmella grabs the belt from him, distracts him, and R-Truth rolls him up, pins him, and then runs off with it. That's nine times that Truth has won the belt. Now. He's going for the record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I'll let you get to to your stuff in a second. But then on a, on a SmackDown... I don't have any notes on that here, but I know he did something. Uh, I think I think Drake Maverick confronted him again, and then he he pretended to give him a he was gonna give him another sh- or give him the belt or something. Mm-hmm. And then he um, he he said psych and ran off. I, I don't think there was much story on that. Uh, the weird thing is though is uh, Drake Maverick came up to him to apologize or something. And Truth said, well, if it means that much to you, he's, he even pointed out, I don't have a referee with me, so I'm not here to attack you, Truth. And then he said, why don't you go get yourself a referee and I'll give you the belt. And all of a sudden, a referee just walks in from off camera. Yeah, asking yeah. you shall receive. Nobody saw that referee there? Why not, <laughs> have, why not have him say, okay, I'll go get a referee. He walks away. Then after the next commercial, it comes back, Truth, I got a referee. He's like, oh, man, I was just joking. And then yeah. runs off. Mm-hmm. To make it believable, make it seem like okay, he actually had to go look for a referee. Yeah, that would that would have made it much more believable. Can be almost the same amount of time, but just you know, you put a commercial break in between it. What do you think of twenty four seven title this week? Oh, I think it's a riot. You know the way they, uh, you know, our truth being in the middle of it all, you couldn't get a better a better uh, character to be in the middle of it all. Okay, you know the our truth character is is hilarious, and then you also have you know Drake Maverick was funny. Who wears their twenty four seven belt at their wedding? Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Then, if I had a twenty four seven belt, maybe I would. Yeah, really. <laughs> but you know that. You know that was funny. Uh, you know, uh, EC3 was uh, had, has a good showing with it, and you know uh, these guys are showing that they should be getting more airtime, not less. Well, apparently there's a stable uh, that may have been put together on main event that may be coming to the main roster uh, with Cesaro, EC3, and um, Bobby Roode. That would be good. So who's, who's going to manage them? You don't need a manager. Oh, it would make the stable better. I don't know. Paul E. Dangerously? Yeah, there you go. Or, as he's known now, Paul Heyman. <laughs> oh, he won't be a manager. He'd be an advocate. Yeah, anyway, right. let's talk about the Firefly Funhouse this week. What did you think of the Firefly Funhouse this week? There wasn't one. What, are you sure? Yes. Okay, there wasn't a, an official Firefly Funhouse. However, there was all the puppets and makings of a Firefly Funhouse. Uh, on Raw, you had uh, the Miz walking towards Miz TV in the back, and you could see Abby the Witch behind his shoulder. Uh, Kofi Kingston's getting ready for a match, and um, Mercy the Buzzer is in the background. Uh, on SmackDown, Huskus the Pig was sitting on a, a crate 
during an interview. I did not see that. And then Rambling Rabbit was in some of the uh, chairs in the back that weren't being used. And, and just, like, walking around. So, uh, as the Firefly Funhouse conti- uh, starts to invade Raw uh, and SmackDown, it's interesting. Uh, kudos to WWE for not acknowledging it. Just letting it be there as an Easter egg in the background. Uh, two best things on SmackDown or on WWE right now we just talked about. What do you think? Well, you know, I think that uh, they both have a lot of potential, and hopefully, uh, hopefully Vince won't screw them up, and uh, and Heyman and uh, Bischoff will let them uh, let them play out. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, and the last thing before we get into Raw and SmackDown uh, proper here is um, the Aleister Black promo. Uh, he, he's on there again whining about somebody coming to fight him. Uh, it, these go from, in my opinion, uh, really good and entertaining to overkill and nagging. Uh, but this week, somebody knocks, and that's where it ends. My question to you, Big Steven Jacks, at Big Steven Jacks 1. Who knocked? I think it was the security guards for Goldberg. <laughs> it might have been the medical examiner for Goldberg, letting you know he had a concussion. Yeah, t- yeah, that is true. But, but you know, my, my question is, why is he stuck in the room to begin with? Okay? Does he leave the room between shows? I, I think you're misreading that. I don't think he's stuck in the room. I think he's just in the room. Waiting for somebody to to come and challenge him. Yeah, I don't uh, like that. I don't like that concept there. Neither, neither do I, especially uh, uh, not the way he's playing it, because there's there's no reason for anybody to challenge him. Uh, rumor is that it's Cesaro who's knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I've heard. To be honest with you, since it's a uh, SmackDown and Aleister Black's on SmackDown and Cesaro's not on SmackDown, I'd rather be a SmackDown wrestler. I don't know, uh-huh. Buddy Murphy. That would be a good idea. On camera. camera. Uh Uh-huh. That would be a good idea. Is Murphy still around? Apparently, uh, he does segments on commercial breaks. And that's not a joke. Uh, They they have some wrestlers come out and cut promos during commercial breaks, which they then show on WDB Network or WDB.com or the Facebook page. Uh, Dana Brooke just did one this past Monday, I think. Oh, wow. Okay, so, well, you know, that doesn't do too much for him. You know, that's a time killer if I've ever seen one. No, it's almost like, you know, you're um, your um, people on camera, your starting lineup, and your uh, people who are doing the segments on breaks are your uh, second string. Uh-huh. And, and uh, everybody who doesn't make TV is your, your uh, minor leagues. Yeah, really. So let's go talk about let's go ahead and talk about some of the other um, things that happened on Raw and SmackDown Live, and, and before we get to that, we have to talk about uh, apparent decree that Vince McMahon has put down to both these shows, where he doesn't want wrestling during commercial breaks anymore. So what that means is, um, you know, uh, where where the match would uh, hit a natural lull in the past. Uh, both wrestlers uh, had the wind knocked out of them or slow to get to their feet. So they take the three-minute commercial and they come back. And if something happened on commercial break, they'll show you a replay of it. And uh, if not, they'll just continue going. He doesn't want that anymore. So what we get instead is we get 
uh, elimination matches, tag team elimination matches that restart after the first two teams are eliminated. Uh, we had uh, three, two out of three fall matches in Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. I think last week we had a couple two out of three fall matches too. Uh, and, and then we get matches where you have a regular match that goes quickly and some other wrestlers come down and get involved after the match. And then they have a second match between uh, the two people who just wrestled and uh, two more people or up to six more people. Yeah, that was the uh, eight-man tag team match when it's smacked down. Yeah, so uh, this is absolutely killing the the flow of the show, and it's super noticeable, and it just takes you out of everything. If you don't, if you're not a wrestling mark like we are, and you don't read this extra stuff and the behind the scenes stuff about McMahon to Crane, you just think like, man, this really feels weird, and I don't know why. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? And now I'll go into an analogy I thought of that I think is brilliant. Okay, well, first off. I have never liked having commercial breaks in the middle of a match because that will take you out of the match. Okay. Uh, do you prefer this or do you prefer having the commercial break? I prefer having a few fewer commercials and having a whole match. Okay? Do you want to be charged uh, $30 a week for WWE programming? Well, no. But, you know, uh, there should be there should be some other uh, some other uh, uh, solution to this. Okay, the thing is that, you know, uh, using using the false, using an elimination match to have commercials between it, you don't restart elimination matches. One team gets eliminated, another one jumps in and beats the crap out of them. That's not, you know, the uh, two out of three falls I can, I can more understand, but if you overuse the two out of three falls... Uh, they lose they they lose their uh, prestige and you know just like they did t- on on Tuesday. Okay, neither of those were necessary. Yeah, okay. on um on Monday you had a, a two out of three falls match too, right? Yes. Um, I'm looking for which one that was. Do you remember what it was? I think it was a tag team match. Because uh, I know they had uh, uh, they had a, a an advertised eight man tag team match with uh, the SmackDown tag team champions and the Raw tag team champions Brian and Rowan in the Revival versus New Day and the Usos. And somehow New Day was uh, named the top competitor for the SmackDown titles, even though they just lost. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then what you had was uh, Brian and Rowan and the the Usos or the New Day get eliminated, and then they go to commercial break, they come back, they restart the match as a tag team match, and they yes, announce yes. they're going to do this. That doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it wasn't supposed to be an elimination match to begin with. Yes, it was. Well, that's not how it was originally advertised. No, nope. that's how they said it before the match started on the show. I okay. don't know what was originally advertised online or what you saw, but before they started the match, they announced it's going to be uh, an elimination match. Okay. The issue I have is restarting it. And if you're going to have the elimination match and you're going to restart it, at least have two different teams end up as the last two. Have Brian and Rowan against uh, the New Day or against uh, the Usos or have the Revival against the New Day instead of the last two being the same two you've beaten into the ground in the tag team division over the last month and a half. Um, you know, you also had a, a, a match later where you had... Um, Kev, uh, 
Kofi had to take on Sami Zayn, and then afterwards had to take on Kevin Owens. Yeah. And that that was part of this whole thing, too. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. does that make sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. Not only doesn't it make sense, but it also reeks of lazy, uh, lazy uh, creative writing. You had, a, you had a handicap match with Reigns versus McMahon and Undertaker. Now, that wasn't bad. We'll talk about that later, though. Uh, it, um, wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Reigns versus McMahon and Undertaker. Oh, uh, McMahon and McIntyre. Wow, I spoiled that one, huh? Yes. <laughs> um, and then you had uh, Alexa Bliss beats Naomi, uh, and then you end up with Natty and uh, Nikki Cross coming down, and then you end up with a tag team match after that. And like, yeah. you're, you're having these people work double duty. When you have such a vast roster, yeah, there's, this is there's no reason Raw for it. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for that, okay? Because there's a lot of guys out in the back there that are deserving of the airtime. Yeah, yeah, and you and then you know you, you jump over to SmackDown. You have Big E and Woods versus Brian and Rowan. Uh, Big E and Woods win that match, so now they're number one contenders. And then Owens and Zayn beat them up afterwards. And then Heavy Machinery comes out, and then they make it an eight-man tag match. After that, mm-hmm. which we just had an eight-man tag match. And then you have The Miz and Elias in a two-out-of-three falls match where Shane keeps getting involved. My favorite part of that was that the crowd started cheering, no more Shane. Yeah, and you know, that's I, I understand that uh, 100%. Because Shane is being so overexposed, and you know, it's uh, I'm tired of seeing him out there. Yeah, yeah, you, I like his character. It's just too much of it. Too much of a good mm-hmm. thing, I guess. And yeah. then to end the night, you had Kofi versus Dolphin, two out of three fall match. And I think I fell asleep during it. And I think I woke up at the very end of it. I um, didn't fall asleep during it. However, we didn't watch uh, it live either. Yeah, this is true. However, you know, uh, my big question is why? Yeah. Now, here's my analogy. And, and I think this is uh, Vince McMahon's uh, attempt to, to try to fix what's broken. Because obviously there's something wrong here. Uh People, uh, one of the big complaints online is that we need more wrestling. There's too much talk, more wrestling. And his thing was, well, we'll stop wrestling during commercial breaks and we'll just only wrestle when cameras on. That was only a rule for Raw, apparently, because SmackDown, they still had the commercial breaks. I saw that. So that was interesting, too. Um, But here's what this is. This is, um, this is like if somebody broke into your house. They break into your house, they steal your TV, they steal your computer, they steal all your valuables. You come home, you see everything missing, you're looking around, and you look at the ground, and you go, I can't believe they drug dog shit through the living room. All your stuff is stolen and is missing, and you're worried about the dog shit in the living room. Yeah. Things are burning around McMahon right now, things are falling apart, attendance and ratings are at all-time lows. And he's worried about wrestling during commercial breaks. Instead of, instead of fixing the storylines and the creative team and letting long stories play out and letting wrestlers wrestle matches and stuff like that, he's taking an X-Acto knife, cutting holes in the carpet where the dog shit was instead of getting a steam cleaner to clean it up. And so now there's no more dog shit, but now he has holes in the carpet. Yes, you're absolutely right there. That, I, have, I agree with you 100%. That's what this is like. This is a dog shit analogy. <laughs> that's what this is like he has whole you know somebody broke in stole his dean ambrose 
stole his uh, Cody Rhodes, stole his gold dust. And he's looking like, why are we wrestling during commercial breaks? Yeah, also stole half the fans. Yeah. And, you know, he's cutting out the, the wrestling during commercial breaks, and, and that's where it's going. And it doesn't make any sense to me. And, and the other thing is, is it, it's preposterous that that's where he sees the problem at. Because the other thing is with these two out of three, like, if you don't want to wrestle during commercial breaks, that's fine. But there's no reason to have a two out of three falls match or restart an elimination match after the first two eliminations. Mm-hmm. You just have another match. Have a one fall match. Okay, that's over. After the commercial break, two more people come out and have a one fall match. That's a good idea. And that's that's what it used to be like back in the day. Okay. Uh, you know, but he's trying to get every cent he can from his advertisers. That's fine though. And, and that's fine. I'm not even I, I I have not said, nor have I heard anybody say online that I wish there was less commercials on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, we'd prefer less commercials, but nobody's really complaining about that. We're complaining right. about how they're working around the commercials. Mm-hmm. The fact that, um, you know, they have this attitude, like, it's like they're cutting off their snows to spite their face. They're, they're cutting up the dog shit carpet instead of replacing their TV. And, and the, the other thing with this is, I, the past couple of years, the best Monday Night Raw I think I've seen was the one with a two-hour eliminate uh, uh, gauntlet match before uh, the elimination one. chamber, and uh, you know what that had? They had one match for two hours with during it. So, you know, if that's a standard there, nobody said, "Oh man, this match is so great." This match would have been amazing if there wasn't a commercial during it. Mm-hmm. This is true. But you know that's that that's uh you know he's he's uh, treating the smaller problems and the biggest the bigger problems are creative, okay, plain and simple. Well, cre- creative and underutilizing some very good talent. You're 100 percent right, and it's a shame. Um, hopefully that'll change soon, and we'll uh, we'll talk about them a little bit. Let's talk about some other happenings on Monday Night Raw. Um, Samoa Joe is going to be the next challenger for Kofi Kingston for the WWE title at Extreme Rules. This was made apparent after Kofi fought Sami Zayn and then Kevin Owens beat them both clean. Well, one was by a countout uh, in back-to-back matches for some reason. Samoa Joe attacks him, and then this was made official, I think, on SmackDown. Um, Any thought on that? Well, first off, what, can you think of a better way to bury Zane and Owens? They both lose to uh, to the champion back to back like that. Well, here and, here's the difference: is uh, Kevin Owens got counted out because he was uh, had that moved onto him uh, on the the steel ramp. Yeah. So countouts always look a little bit better than pinfall or submission losses. And then uh, Simon Miller uh, on What Culture actually. He reviews Raw and SmackDown every week. Has a Sami Zayn tally where he counts every time Sami Zayn loses a match or takes the pinfall in a match, and uh, he's been doing that for about ten days now, and it's up to like six. Yeah, and you know he's, they're burying him, burying a really good talent there. Okay, second off, now I like I like the match. I like uh, Kingston and and Joe there because I think I think they'll put on a hell of a show. 
but you have the SmackDown World Champion against a Raw contender. What's wrong with that picture? Uh, technically, I think Dolph Ziggler's a Raw contender too. I'm not sure. I think he uh, he went over to he didn't go back to SmackDown in the shakeup. He was on Raw or lot. The last show he was assigned to was Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and McIntyre. Yeah, well, he's been gone for so long, though. But still, you know, it's one of those things like nobody would notice except for when you when you look at like the big scheme of things here and, and everything else gets noticed. It gets lumped in with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you also had a tug of war between Lashley and uh, and Strowman, which I thought was good. But the only issue I have with it, even though like I want to hate these segments, but I think they're pretty entertaining. Is that it's like a month after the last one they did with the arm wrestling. And Strowman won the match clean at Super Showdown, which should have ended the feud. Right. So, you know, why why are they doing this again? That's the only issue I have. Isn't it? There's no continuity in the storyline. They're doing a World's Strongest Man co- uh, competition there. Next uh, next week they're going to have the refrigerator pull. It may be. Um, <laughs> then you have uh, in the main event Ricochet versus AJ Styles. Ricochet's first match again, uh, as U.S. champion, he loses to AJ Styles. Yes. Uh, this was a weird one, too, because at one point the Good Brothers come out. Uh, they don't, they, they kind of interfere, but there's no disqualification. And then um, AJ demands that the match is restarted. But not until after the Good Brothers leave. Like I said, I think they, I think this is a way to break, to, to break up... Uh, the Good Brothers and AJ, and have a short feud between them before the Good Brothers' uh, contract runs out. Uh, I thought, uh, didn't you say that they just resigned? No. Somebody said they just resigned. Well, e- either way, though, like I think this was just uh, a device used to give them another break. Mm-hmm. Uh, to take a commercial break under these new rules. And then uh, the big one is uh, obviously something to try to push ratings. Um Undertaker returns to save Roman Reigns as uh, Shane McMahon and uh, McIntyre are beating the holy hell out of him. Uh, I thought that was that was good timing. I don't want to see Undertaker wrestle anymore because I don't feel like he has anything left. And it gets sadder and takes away from him every time I see him wrestle. Well, that was a, it was a good choke slip that he did on, uh, that he did on McMahon. Okay, uh... You know, no, I don't really want to see him wrestle again because he's not the Undertaker that uh, that we know and love. However, uh, they bought him in for ratings. Okay, if they do the match at Extreme Rules right, he should be okay. Okay. You know, technically, Roman Reigns just lost to Shane McMahon for a second time. Actually, that was a, wasn't that a new contest? Uh, no, it was a handicap match. Technically, yeah. Roman Reigns got disqualified because of outside interference by the Undertaker. Okay, okay. Whether they ruled it that way or not, technically that's how it should have been ruled. Yeah, yeah. But this is wrestling. No rules. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about uh, SmackDown real quick. Oh, yeah. let's see. One other let's... thing I want to say about the uh, Ricochet-Styles match. Uh-huh. Man, that was an amazing match. It was that a very was... good match. The thing is, though, you have a three-hour show. You have uh, 20 minutes of good wrestling. And a bunch of stuff that makes everybody question what's going on. Yeah. Absolutely right. Uh, talking about SmackDown, we already talked about the eight, eight-man tag match. Uh, the Miz versus Elias in a 2 out of 3 falls match. The best part of that was a No More Shane chant. Um, 
a possible lesbian angle between Sonya and Mandy. Uh, apparently, after Sonya beat Ember Moon in about 30 seconds, um, which was appalling. It felt like uh, Divas from 10 years ago, a quick match like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there a little like uh, flirtatious thing between the two that uh, had people on the internet talking about a possible lesbian angle between them which to be honest with you i don't have an issue with that because if you're going to have a boyfriend and girlfriend like becky and seth uh flaunted in front of the audience then you might as well have a girlfriend and girlfriend angle too mm-hmm. as long as the next, the next thing it's going to be a boyfriend and boyfriend and that's fine as long as it's treated as equal mm-hmm. um and then um you also had uh maybe maybe the best part of smackdown was uh an interview with Finn Balor where they're uh, asking him who his next challenger is going to be, and then Nakamura just appears out, points to him in the belt, and then walks away. Feels like maybe Nakamura is gaining his footing back there, uh, which should be a great match, and hopefully they don't fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good to see a Nakamura sighting. Okay, and you know I you know that should be a very good match, as long as they don't fuck it up, like you said. Uh, and then our last match in there. Was the Kofi versus Dolph? We, we already might, talked about yeah. that. It was a two out of three falls match. Uh, Dolph, if Dolph won it, he would have been in the the mat, uh, the triple threat match at uh, Extreme Rules. Thank God he didn't win it. Uh, before we talk, before we move on though, I do want to talk about um, Nikki Cross versus Bailey as well. Nikki beat Bailey clean to earn Alexa Bliss a title shot. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why wouldn't she earn her own title shot? Beats the shit out of me. Or at least they both get a title shot now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah. And that'd be like if you worked and and then I got your paycheck. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, one more thing about that eight-man tag team match. Did you notice that uh, Kevin Owens walked out on Sami Zayn? Uh, yeah. I, you know, SmackDown was pretty bad, so I was only half watching it. as I was also playing on my iPad. Um. But I, I did notice that as well. Uh, I, I wonder what the story is going to be there. Um, you know, I don't mind seeing those two feud because they're so good at it. Yeah. And I guess, I, to be honest with you, uh, I, I'd rather them turn Owen's face and have him be the the face against Sammy this time instead of possibly turning Sammy back into a face. I think yeah, Sammy's really good. good as a heel. I think he struggled as a face a little bit. Well, it's a deep, it all depends on what kind of uh, material they actually give him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, if they give him the right material, uh, uh, the former El Generico could, could do quite a good job. But I do like this char- this heel character he has. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Before we um, – let's go ahead and move on. And before we talk about uh, the big news with Bischoff and Heyman and what that could mean – Let's talk. I want to talk about uh, NXT real quick. And when I want to talk about NXT, I know you don't watch it often. You really need to start because it's better than anything else that's going on in WWE Universe right now. Is I want to talk about two things that happened on this week's episode. One, they started their breakout tournament. And uh, I think we talked about when they announced this that it was basically a tournament for guys who are still in their uh, performance center, haven't really made an NXT debut yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, when they introduced all the competitors last week or the week before, they um, they uh, 
they, they told you who they were formerly known as as well, which I thought was an interesting twist. This week we got our first match, which was uh, Angel Garza, formerly Hector Garza, versus Joaquin Wilde, who you may know as DJZ. Great match. They uh, it was very tournament like. Uh, both guys came down as they're coming down. Uh, they ran like a little promo video in the corner, mm-hmm. uh, giving a little bit of background on, on that person. And then they they had a great match together. Um, they pulled out all the classic stuff that you remember if you watched them in TNA or anything. And it was phenomenal. Uh, you got to watch it. I thought there would be more than one match, but you know they had some other stuff on NXT this week. It, the one match was fantastic. And then uh, the other thing I want to talk about is NXT had their own cage match. And this is the second time NXT has had a match, a, a gimmick match, similar to a, uh, a main roster match on a pay-per-view uh, within a week of that pay-per-view. And they, they outdid them. And this was the women, Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai uh, in a cage. And it was so good way better than the kofi and Dolph cage match um even at at one point it looked like eo was gonna win and then you have jessamine duke and um uh marina shafir get involved and uh actually one of them got in the ring then you have um candace larray come down get on top of the cage and uh end up doing a cross body on the women in the cage then at one point, Io Shirai gets up on the top of the cage, does her picture-perfect moonsault off the cage onto them on the inside. The The match ends with um, Io Shirai uh, dragging herself to the cage door, uh, almost out of the bottom rope, when uh, Shayna Baszler catches up to her and gets her in the Q of clutch, which is pretty much the same as the Coquina clutch. Or the Fujimura clutch. I I, I can't keep keep it straight. In the ropes, choking her out. Io Shirai grabs the cage door and starts slamming it into Baszler's head. Knocks out Baszler. Baszler falls forward through the ropes outside of the cage. Okay. Which is exactly how the main main roster cage match should have ended. Because Mm -hmm. now... If you have Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler 3, nobody will mind because there's unfinished business. Shayna right. won, but she should have lost. And then on top of that, afterwards, as Shayna and uh, her um, MMA buddies leave the, the ringside area, Candice LeRae gets in the ring to comfort Io Shirai, and Io Shirai beats the holy hell out of Candice LeRae. Okay. Uh, well, how did they explain that? Kind of a, a crazy girl heel turn. Like, she's so frustrated that she just took it out on somebody. She goes out, gets a chair, comes back in. And then, you know, she kind of feels like nobody has her back. And, and kind of like, it, it was very well done. She ends up leaving saying, I don't need anybody. I don't need any friends. Nobody's helping me. Everybody's getting in the way. Type stuff. Uh, go back go back and watch it. It's very well done. Even if I'm not explaining it well, it may be a little clunky. The way I'm explaining it may sound like a may sound like a main roster storyline that's uh, it does that but that doesn't doesn't make logical sense. But if you go back and watch it, it does. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a sounds like what should be on the main roster. It, you're 100 percent right, and hopefully it will be. Let's go ahead and talk about the big news of the day. Okay, 
Now, before we talk about Heyman and Bischoff, I do want to remind everybody that you can be reached on Twitter at wrestling H or at Big Steve and Jacks one on Twitter, and I can be reached at wrestling HS three sixteen. Uh, also, you can leave a comment on our, our um, on our iTunes, like and subscribe. You can also uh, visit us on SoundCloud, like and subscribe, and leave comments there as well. And let's go ahead and talk about the big news that broke uh, Thursday. I was very upset that we had to wait till Friday to talk about this because I was so excited to. Um, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff have been named executive directors in charge of creative of Raw and SmackDown, respectively. According to reports, their positions for Raw and SmackDown are going to be similar to Triple H's in NXT. Uh, the only person they're going to report to is Vince McMahon. What does this What does this mean? Well, first off, uh, let's be clear: this is not a work. Okay, this is all legit. Correct. This is not on screen. This is uh, when they first announced this. I thought it was going to be the return of GMs and on screen GM like uh, authority figure. Yeah. Which also, which I am also in favor of. But no, this is behind the scenes. They may have they you know Heyman's still going to have his role with Lesnar. Um, Bischoff may have an on-screen role at some point as well, but as of right now, this is behind-the-scenes creative, just like you don't see Bruce Pritchard. Okay, well, first off, let's talk about Heyman. The man is a creative genius, okay? he's He comes up with wonderful ideas, and he's not afraid to, to go toe-to-toe with Vince, Okay, he will he will stand up for his ideas. Okay, he knows how to handle Vince, and I think uh, I think you're going to see a, a, a major difference in the way creative is done in on Raw. Okay, which will uh, which will have more compelling storylines and uh, be more entertaining to watch. Now, as far as Bishop goes, his biggest strength is dealing with the uh, TV executives, okay? And, you know, the thing is, uh, he's, he's had a lot of experience with that. Uh, and because SmackDown is going over to Fox, you know, he's going, you know, he's, they, brought, they brought him in for that. But also, you know, don't forget, you know, Bischoff almost put WWE out of business back in the 90s. Okay, both of these guys, uh, Heyman and uh, Bischoff, were two of the biggest thorns in McMahon's side. Okay, and you know both of them came up with very in- innovative programming. Okay, and uh, you know for one reason or another, the reason ECW ended up going under was because uh, because of money problems. Okay, and the reason WCW went out of, went out of business was because. They didn't. They they end up not having uh, the support of uh, of of uh, AOL and Time Warner after uh, after they got gobbled up. Okay, it wasn't because of the creative. Now, I think that if you have those guys running creative for for both of them and minimal minimal interference from Vinny. I think you're going to have two very good products. You also have two guys that are very competitive, okay, and they will be competing to see who has the better show. Yeah, you have uh, Bischoff in charge of a wrestling program, Heyman in charge of a wrestling program, TNT is back in the wrestling business. What year is it? (laughs) 
1990 all over again. <laughs> well, 1999. Uh-huh. Um, do you think this was a, a Vince McMahon call, or do you think um, some people pulled him in a room and said, look, Vince, this isn't working. You need to make a change. Uh, my answer to both is yes. Okay. They said they, they probably said, hey, Vince, you know, this isn't going to fly because the ratings are going down the tank. Okay. The shows are not entertaining. And you're losing your fans. You're losing your uh, live gates and you're losing your uh, television uh, fans. This is going to affect advertising, which is going to take money out of our pockets and take money out of your pockets. Okay. So Vince went back and he said, hmm, maybe I need some help here. Okay, and he got the best he could find. And they are there too, the best in the business. Don't forget also that McMahon is also uh, working on the XFL. So that's probably taking up some of his time too. Do you think, why do you think Triple H wasn't tasked with taking over one of these shows? Uh, what, I, what I saw was that he was offered the position. That, that's been debunked uh, by multiple. It has been? Okay. Yeah. Because well you need you need the reason I would think is because he's doing such a good job down in NXT, leave him there to develop people. To develop people that just get ruined when they get to the main roster. Unfortunately, yes, but with uh, Heyman and uh, Bischoff there, they might not get ruined anymore. Maybe I, you know what I wonder if the gate for the last NXT taping was bigger than the gate for the last SmackDown Live. I wouldn't be surprised. 2,500 seems like an attainable number for them. Yeah. Um, here, here are some of my concerns regarding this. One, I'm happy that's happening. Uh, one of my favorite times uh, in wrestling was late 90s with Bischoff running WCW, Heyman running ECW, McMahon competing with them with WWE um, in the early to mid-2000s, Heyman running SmackDown, Bischoff running Raw, McMahon running both of them. Another great bit there as well. Uh, my issue is is that it seems like Vince has clearly lost it. He's, he, from all reports when we get we get and have been pretty much confirmed by wrestlers who have left the company and wrestlers who have remained anonymous, but kind of confirmed it. Uh, Vince is the problem. And the fact that they all still have to answer to him, I wonder how much veto power they have or he has. Like if Heyman and Vince disagree on an idea, what, what happens? Uh, Does he, he let fired? <laughs> if, if this doesn't, if this doesn't, if the ratings don't start to improve in the next thirty days on either show, does Vince say, "Hey, I told you this wasn't going to work," and take back control? It could happen. Okay. I don't think thirty days is a long enough sample size Neither for that. I. But I can see him saying, "I gave you a month. You can't do it in a month, pal." Yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. Um. So that, that's my concern, is I hope that both of these gentlemen, and I think they are, are smart enough to write into whatever contract they signed or agreement they signed uh, some kind of loophole to kind of prevent that. 
That would be a good thing. Like some kind of uh, veto power. Like Vince can only veto one idea a month or something like that. Or he can right. only veto he, he can only veto ideas for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but you know, basically uh, put in something where Vince will not uh, will not will let me do my job. Okay. Exactly. Um, what do you think this means for the wild card rule? I hope it goes away. Because uh, you know, I think that's the sentiment by fans and pundits like us. Where nobody seems to like the wild card rule. I haven't heard anything positive about it. Um, but you, you know, it's come to this thing where uh, up until now the writing teams have been uh, merged together over the last since probably WrestleMania, maybe a little bit before that. And this wild card rule has storylines jumping back and forth between shows. So if you have two different creative directors, those, you know, you can't have the a storyline on both shows they have to run their own storylines right? right right exactly and don't forget the wild card rules there to give the uh to give the quote stars unquote uh more airtime so basically you have uh four or five stars overexposed on both raw and smackdown okay and one of those being shane mcmahon yes and and uh, you know what? And being being you have that, uh, it once again uh, puts the uh, the mid carters in the back. We're off the show completely. Yes. Um, yeah, I hope it goes away too. Uh, what what are your, some of your aspirations to what you'd like to see or hope to see or expect to see from either one of these guys or both these guys within, let's say. Yeah, you know, ninety days. How, how do you hope this starts to turn out? Well, I hope we have better storylines. I hope we have a little more continuity. Uh, I hope we don't have uh, sixty thousand rematches where the champion pins the same challenger every time. Uh, you know, uh, I, I want to see something that makes more sense on both sides. Okay, uh, and let the uh, Shane McMahon uh, either just be a worker or Go 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 back uh go back and live in a mansion or whatever. Okay, I'm tired of seeing him online on on the uh, on on uh, on air, and you know he pretends that he's running the show and everybody knows he isn't. Okay, uh, I would like to see an angle where he gets pushed off the show. Yeah, by Triple H or something. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how this affects Heyman's on-screen role. Because he's not the kind of person who uh, who separates those things. Not that he'd write right into a storyline, but when the fan starts cheering, thank you, Heyman, mm-hmm. or something like that, he's going to give a nod and a wink. Yeah. Or his, his next promo he cuts with Brock Lesnar, uh, he's going to give a nod or a wink to it. Um, oh, yeah, and obviously Brock Lesnar is going to be the champion again real that soon for the next, for the next 20 would, years. Yeah, that would be a mistake. Unless they sign something with Lesnar saying, you will show up here a few times a month. And you will wrestle more. Hopefully. Oh, I mean, he has a Money in the Bank briefcase right now. He's not showing up any more often. Yeah, really. And, you know, that, that, that devalues the Money in the Bank uh, case. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, 
I mean, not really, because it's not like you're defending it every week like a title belt, or you're not expected to defend it. No, but but part of it is, you know, the guy comes down to wrestle, he always has that case on him. And somebody might steal that case and throw it in the river. Every time Lesnar comes down to wrestle, he has that case on him. I don't know what you're... But that's every three months. Um... Yeah, so, uh, you, you know, I guess I, I just hope that, I hope for the best. Uh, I hope Heyman gets to push the boundary a little bit and Bischoff. I hope there is a competitiveness to them. I hope they have chep- separation um, because I think the, the separation is good for both brands. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that... I like the, to see him be I, formatted I, differently, too. Yes, I think that Heyman's more likely to push the boundaries a little bit because he is a little bit of a sicko, delightfully so. And uh, you know, hey, and uh, Bischoff is is probably more likely to uh, to keep things not toned up too high. You, you know what though is, um, to be honest with you, how how this could work out perfectly is, what was Bischoff known for in WCW? Buying all WWE's talent, right? Yes, uh-huh. bringing in big stars and letting them be big stars, right? Yeah, and what was what was uh, Heyman known for? Finding guys, making them into big talent, so WWE and WCW could buy them up. Right. So, what you can do is, since you have this big deal with Fox, you move all your big stars to SmackDown. Let Heyman, let, let uh, um, Bischoff run his SmackDown show with these big stars. I think they're going to three hours, maybe two. I heard a rumor about that. Yeah. Um. So they might be going to three hours. Uh, I like to see something structured similar to how Nitro was, where you almost have like an hour where you have like mid card and lucha matches, which were which were great every yeah. week. You know, uh, every week there's a six person lucha match where at one point everybody would be jumping out of the ring on top of people, and I can't get enough of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was that was good. Sometimes a little bit too staged, but it was it was good entertainment. Well, and then fact, on Raw, on Raw, you have the you know Heyman take the the guys from NXT, the new guys, the younger guys, and build them into stars. Right. That would be good. You know, only thing. Yeah, as a matter of fact, next time uh, next time I go down to Mexico, I'm going to ch- take in a lucha libre. And it will beat the hell out of the bullfights. Yeah. Right. Did it, did they kill the the luchador at the end? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that I'm seeing some breaking news here. Okay. Uh, it looks like the executive director in charge of 205 Live is going to be Vince Russo. You're kidding. Yes, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's got to be next, right? It might be. Because you know, uh, you know, Russo is not that bad, bad uh, a creative mind. Okay, uh, he's you know he's not very well liked by anybody. But you know, if you leave him, if you leave uh, leave him uh, to do some creative stuff there, he could do some interesting stuff. I, I think a lot of his thing was shock and awe for most yeah. of it. Uh-huh. Uh, I think at the time, if you go look at, you know, listen to Bruce Pritchard, um, maybe even, I don't listen to Eric Bischoff's podcast with Conrad Thompson, but listen, maybe listen to that. Uh, a lot of good ideas, you know, played out really well then. I don't think his ideas necessarily aged well. Yeah, I would agree, I would agree with that. 
Also, it looks like all we have to do is get a podcast with uh, Conrad Thompson, and uh, we're in line for a WWE creative team position. That sounds good. You, you got his phone number? I do not. <laughs> he doesn't answer any of my, my tweets either, unlike my good buddy Seth uh, Sam Roberts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Dad, that's... um. I think we, we can put that topic to bed. We'll see how that plays out. But we still have a couple minutes here. I know we're going to run long today, but it is our one-year anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yes, uh, happy anniversary. 52nd show um, here today. Uh, over the last year-ish, what's, uh, what's been your favorite part of wrestling and the podcast? And well, don't, be, uh, don't be mushy about it. I'm not being mushy about anything. You know... Uh, WrestleManias are always good. Uh, I do like talking about the about the wrestling. Makes me pay attention a little bit more to what's going on on Raw and SmackDown. Sometimes much to my chagrin. Uh, and it's been a, it's been a fun year. Yeah, and uh, I think my favorite part would be uh, getting to to talk wrestling with my dad every week. Uh huh. I thought you weren't going to get mushy over this. No, I told you not to get mushy. Because <laughs> I was going to say that, but uh... no, I know you were going to say that. That's why I told you not to get mushy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, though, you know, I mean, some of the, the the bad is that you know because we're doing a podcast, I'm forced to watch this Drek most of the weeks. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be watching it if uh, I probably wouldn't be watching it if we weren't doing a podcast uh, for it. So I kind of I feel obligated so I can report on it. And we mm-hmm. had some content. Um, maybe we'll switch over to a football podcast in the fall if this stuff keeps up. Yeah, go Eagles. Go go down, Eagles. <laughs> we do a baseball podcast, but you don't know what a good baseball team looks like since you're a Phillies fan. Mm-hmm. They're coming back. They're still yeah, they're four back. Uh, but you know, outside of that, I talked to a friend today who I haven't seen in a while. I asked her if she's still watching wrestling. She says she hasn't watched in a couple of weeks because it's been so bad. Uh huh. And, and you know that's how I feel too. Except I'm doing a podcast, yeah. so I feel like I have to watch it. Yeah. Um, anyway, some some of the the pluses with the wrestling side of it. Um. I guess just talking about the the, the wrestling in general. Uh, AEW has been pretty yeah. good. Uh, all, uh, double or nothing. Fighter Fest is tomorrow. Yes, I'm very interested to see to, to see how that stuff goes. Well, you can you can watch that live on BR Live on on TV Bleacher Report. Okay. Live. Is that do I have to pay for a subscription for that? No, you just log in. You create a login. You can log in with your Facebook. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I think I may do that. What time is it on tomorrow? Uh, I believe the pre-show starts at 7:30 and the main show starts at 8:30. Okay. And, um, you know, I guess that's, um, I, I'll probably watch it. I may, I may miss it. I don't know. It, it no, you should, you should be there. It's in Daytona. Okay. I thought that was the one that was in uh, Jacksonville. No, the one in Jacksonville is next month. But, you know, I don't know if I want to go to that one either because I don't feel like paying for the tickets and the, that amphitheater is hot in the summer. Cool. Uh-huh. Anyway, though, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, and hopefully we can get through another year. Uh, if it doesn't improve, though, I don't know if we're going to continue to, to torture ourselves. So. Well, so, I think it's going to be... Do you have I any final thoughts? Be, yeah, I think that uh, we're coming up on a rather interesting uh, period here. Uh, will uh, Will Heyman and, uh, and Bischoff be successful 
in improving the product, or will they crash and burn because of too much interference from Vince? Okay, stay tuned. Yeah, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in um, with a storyline like this, a real storyline like this. And, um, you know, if I was going to put money on it, Vince is going to get involved and they're going to both quit because of it. And and it's going to continue to go down the tubes. And eventually it'll rebound. They'll find their groove probably after Vince is in an old folks home or something. Anyway, though, that's our show for today. Remember, as always, hindsight is 2020.